0: Listening to From the Friars Podcast, the community of Franciscan Friars of the Renewal, headquartered in the Bronx, New York City. My brothers and sisters, little greeting that St. Francis would always begin his preaching with: may the Lord give you his peace. Amen. Amen. Um, we would like to offer everyone a sincere word of welcome. Welcome to Our Lady Shrine. Um, It is so encouraging to see all of you here. Um, This is your home. You are welcome here. As you know, seven days a week, we have confessions, we have mass, we have adoration on Monday to Friday, and devotions and blessings are free, and uh, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So um, it is just such a joy to see you here on this beautiful day. The Lord has given us a beautiful day and to be here together. Um, So thank you for being here and welcome. And all of you joining us over the internet, um, welcome to you as well, uh, to be together to pray. Um, Welcome. The uh, readings that the church has put together for today's liturgy complement one another so well. From the book of the prophet Isaiah, chapter six, we have the account of Isaiah's calling. He had a mystical vision of God And uh, you have the angels and you have this mystical smoke filling the temple and the train of his garment and the the words, holy, 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 Lord of hosts. Does that sound familiar? We pray that together in the mass. That's where it came from. And the door frame shaking. And and, um, then Isaiah is so overwhelmed by the glory of seeing God that he he makes this comment, like, I'm doomed. You know, like, I'm a man of unclean lips, living with the people of unclean lips. Like, I'm doomed. And then this mystical seraph angel, the burning one, the seraph, they burn with God's love, brings a coal from the altar, a burning coal, and touches his lips, and he's purified, and then his sins are purged, and he receives his vocation. The Lord sends him, and he, he replies... Here I am, send me. We had that sung so beautifully for our opening hymn. It's a perfect opening hymn today. Thank you for singing that beautifully. And then we have reference to singing God's praises in the presence of the angels for our psalm, Psalm 138. And it's interesting that the church gives us 1 Corinthians 15 where St. Paul makes reference to the moment he saw the risen Jesus. And uh, we know that story, right? Paul somehow has a vision of the risen Jesus on the road to Damascus. Proverbial knocked off his horse, although the Bible doesn't make reference to a horse, but it's, and he's blinded for three days until the Lord heals him and he's baptized and Saul becomes Paul, who becomes Saint Paul. Amazing story. And then in the gospel, there's this really beautiful story of Jesus with Peter. They're fishing on the lake and they've fished all night and they've caught nothing. Jesus says something to them that no fisherman would ever do. You don't go back out in daytime and throw the nets. The fish see the nets and go away. That's why they always threw the nets out at night. And here is a miraculous, supernatural, superabundant catch of fish. The nets are tearing. And St. Peter has an experience similar to Isaiah. There's something of Jesus' divinity which is being revealed. And it's in a language that Peter, the fisherman, can understand. The Lord speaks to him in a way that he could understand. And what does he do? He does something similar to Isaiah. He falls down on his knees. Lord, I am a sinful man. Depart from me. He is an experience of being overwhelmed by by Jesus' divinity and uh, his own sinfulness. And so um, these stories, and there are other stories in the Bible that are similar speak to us of God's transcendence. God's transcendence. And certainly the, uh, the revelation that was coming in the Old Testament with the Jewish religion really highlighted that truth. Matter of fact, the Hebrew word for holy, it, it's hard to translate. It, it kind of has the feeling of like other. God is so completely and totally Other. And uh, if you say something three times in the Hebrew language, it's the most superlative. So the holiest of them all. Holy, holy, holy. Sanctus, 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 right? Kadosh, kadosh, kadosh. Okay, we we'll going. Hagios, hagios, hagios in Greek. Okay. Um, and there's this group of angels in heaven that they, evidently, that's just what they do. <laughs> they just worship the Trinity, and it's this holy, holy, holy. It's the transcendence of God the majesty, the otherness of God, that God isn't just another creature. God isn't just the biggest one on the block. God, he's completely and totally other. There's an emphasis on his transcendence, um, mysterious. Um, and there, there were moments when the children of Fatima had a similar experience. If you read the story of Fatima, in um, a few of these apparitions, they talk about being immersed in a supernatural light. And it was the light of God. And it was so mysterious that Lucia this, uh, tells us, I don't have the words to describe. That, that's the transcendence of God. We, we don't even have the words to describe God's holiness, God's otherness, God's. And so in response in response to this, this reality, you have reverence, right? The development of religious reverence. Sometimes in the Bible, that's called fear of the Lord. It's not fear like, uh oh, we're about to be destroyed. That's not what it means, but it's a reverence, it's an awe that God is truly awesome in the truest sense of that word. And um, what would it be like if you saw the Lord? You know, you would die. You would die. And so there were moments in the Old Testament when this truth was highlighted. You think about when Moses had his visions of God on the mountain, and the people were told, the mountain is so holy, don't touch the mountain, or you will die. And um, then you have the development of the worship of Israel, where God commanded them to build this temple in Jerusalem. And in the temple, there were just all of these incredible, like the... It was an expression of their faith and their reverence. The temple was to be holy because it was God's house. So, you know, in Catholicism, we have the tabernacle. We have the presence of Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament. And we have the candle that's lit. Imagine if there was only one church in the whole world that had Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament. That's what it was like for the Jewish people. It was the temple, which was God's house in Jerusalem. And in the temple, there were different areas. And the holiest part of the temple was called the Holy of Holies. And it was a a room that was shaped like a cube. And in there was the Ark of the Covenant. And they believed that this was, in a particular way, the place where God himself dwelt on earth. And you were not allowed to go in there. There was a big curtain that blocked it off. and, And it was so holy, you couldn't even look in there. And you could not go in there, but God was there. And once a year on the Day of Atonement, the high priest would go in there for to sprinkle the blood of the sacrifice where all the sins would be forgiven that day. They would tie a rope to the ankle of the high priest. Just in case he dropped dead, they'd pull his body out. Don't go in there. That's where God is. That, you know, his, and, and to be honest, uh, the development of many aspects of the Jewish faith was a, an expression of devotion and reverence, but it was like, God is so holy, we don't want to offend him, and there's all this, like the kosher diet, and all the different rituals, and, and the, these things about, don't get near, God is so holy, God is so uh, transcendent, God is so majestic, that um, we, you know we have to do all these things, so that we would not be impure. And, and there's a truth there. But by the time God himself arrives in the flesh, in Jesus, it was almost like all the expressions of reverence kind of backfired. What, what ended up happening was it, it became an experience of faith that kind of kept pushing people away. Don't come near. God, you know, God is so transcendent. God is so Holy. You know, d- don't come near. And so, Jesus, who is God in the flesh, he comes and he brings the complement to God's transcendence is God's imminence. That God wants to dwell within us, that God wants to be close. He wants to be close. And so there are these interesting moments in the gospel where Jesus is there, there's a person with leprosy, or there's a woman who's got a bleeding disorder, or there's a corpse, and in their religion, if you touched any of that, you would become ritually impure and you you had to stay away. And here comes God in the flesh, touches the dead corpse, raises him to life, is touched by the woman with the bleeding disorder, he's not defiled by that, she's healed, (coughs) And the leper, the story of the healing of the lepers when Jesus touches them. You can imagine for the Jewish people, it's like, what are you doing? Do not touch the leper. And God in the flesh touches the leper and uh, the leper is cleansed and healed. So in Jesus, we have a complementarity, the imminence of God, the closeness of God. Um, And it's shocking. He teaches us to call God, God the creator, God, the other, you know, he teaches us to call God Daddy. Not not even really Father. It's like the diminutive of Father, Papa, Daddy. Wow. Um, And then he gives us himself in the Eucharist. We have the beautiful tabernacle. We have the beautiful altar. We have uh, expressions of reverence to the Blessed Sacrament. But with all of that, he ends up coming into you. right? The hands of the priest in the tabernacle are not the final resting place of Jesus in the Eucharist. It's the, the bodies of the believers. We receive him. So this imminence, this closeness, um, the Bible gives the metaphor of the husband and wife, that Yahweh God wants to be the spouse of his people, the bride. That is an intimate um, shockingly intimate image that the Lord wants that for his church he also wants that for the soul of each, each believer okay so we have the, the transcendence and the imminence and, and some people want to choose one over the other and as is so often in, in Catholic Christianity it's both and both and yes it is the transcendence of God the, the majesty the reverence the fear of the Lord the God who is above and beyond anything we can imagine, who is holy, and we should probably fall on our faces to worship like the angels and like so many of the saints. And then yet it's also the God who is imminent, who wants to be close, who wants to be the lover of your soul. Um, It's both and, it's both and. So allow me to conclude by applying this particularly to the liturgy. So um, I've had multiple experiences of praying and worshiping God at mass. And you know, with the church, the guidance of the church in mass, um, there needs to be reverence. There needs to be a sense of God's holiness. And so we do our best to dignify the liturgy. Uh, The music should be beautiful and reverent. Um, The linens, the, the tabernacle, the candles the vestments, you know, when you're able to have incense and all these things with the liturgy to be done well, and that the sacred vessels should be a, um, a what's the word, precious metal. Thank you, Brother Pius. Um, you know, gold or silver that's appropriate for the Eucharist. You know, and when we come forward to receive in communion, we, we come forward with reverence. You know, with, with a, a sense that what's happening here is very holy. And I've prepared myself, especially by getting to confession if I need to, and through prayer, through recollection. And so in the liturgy, there is this need or this appropriateness for reverence that, that God is so awesome. Um, and I can tell you moments when I've been at Mass, like for example, being, being at Mass with the Pope in St. Peter's Basilica in Rome, this majestic basilica. It's so awe-inspiring, and this amazing choir that kind of imitates what the angels probably sound like, this just just the senses, the beauty, and the the reverence, and the candles are 10 feet tall, and just, you know, this glorious, amazing liturgy, and, like, in a context with the pope, and the bishops, and deacons, and priests, and lay faithful, and and just, you know, like, am I in heaven already? Like, just this, (laughs) And maybe you've had an experience of a liturgy like that. I want to share with you a second story. Visiting Auschwitz in in Poland, where the Nazis had a concentration camp, seeing the cell where St. Maximilian Kolbe was martyred, and hearing stories of the priests celebrating Mass in this horrible place, With no chalice, but their hand. A little bit of wine in the palm of their hand. And a drop of water. And a little piece of bread that was smuggled in. And it was dirty. And and people were suffering. And yet, uh, they had prayed the Mass. And received the Lord. Maybe just a little crumb of the host. Jesus, God himself is fully present in the smallest particle. And um, other experiences of saying mass in a little chapel on a mountain in Honduras, the people. Very poor. Singing off tune, but with all their hearts. Or some of our brothers saying mass in similar situations in Haiti. And so with these two images, the, the question is, which mass is better? I was hoping you would answer me, both and, (laughs) both and, both and. You know, the transcendence and the imminence. The distinction of the God who is majestic and all holy, who is also the same God who is so close, who is so with us, Emmanuel. He's here in the dirt with us. His feet walked on this earth. He entered in. And united himself with the creation. This is our faith. This is our faith. So brothers and sisters, we're here today. On the Lord's day. In the Lord's house. Together as the Lord's family. As we prayed in the opening prayer. To pray. To worship. And allow our prayer and our worship. To overflow to the rest of our lives. You know, it's not just about worshiping God when we're in a church. But it's the worshiping of God when we're also in our homes, that there's a great integration, there's a great unity, that God wants to be present in your homes as well, and in your families, in your relationships, in your workplaces. Um, because of the coming of Jesus, everywhere is filled with his presence, everywhere. that He has reclaimed his creation through, our, through the redemption, and for that we give thanks this day, amen. amen.